since you have already been through many lectures and chapel talks, tonight I would like to speak just a few words. And here they are. Nitwit, blubber, admit, and tweak. Thank you. If you didn't recognize the passage I just quoted, it's found in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, and it comprises the entire speech of Professor Albus Dumbledore at the opening of the school year. And I do wish that I could deliver a speech that brief. No doubt I've already given speeches that are just as nonsensical. But I'm sure that you came tonight hoping for a bit more. So I'm going to say a few more things. But I do hope to be quite simple and straightforward with you. In the process, I will try to give a window or two into my own life experience in order to unpack what I am trying to say. Now, I'd like to focus my remarks directly to the graduating class of 2016. Of course, the rest of you are welcome to listen in. Okay, here you are, full academic regalia, ready to graduate. And there are many parents and relatives and uh, friends who are astonished and amazed and relieved that you're actually graduating. Now I'm well aware that the conventions of our day push us to fill our commencement speeches with talk of achieving greatness and reaching for the stars and conquering the world and becoming absolutely anything and everything we want to be. Of course, we all know that such speeches are overly romanticized and seldom true to the life that we must face day in and day out. Their great danger, however, is not just their unrealistic picture of life, but how quickly and how subtly they buy in to the zeitgeist, the spirit of our age, which insists that the only people who are important or significant are the celebrity figures and the sports heroes and the rock stars and the power brokers of our day. And quite frankly, this leaves out most of us most of the time. But tonight I'd like to share with you in a little more realistic and down-to-earth way. I want us to think honestly about what we will be facing in the years and the decades ahead. Allow me to describe three 
categories of living. And I can guarantee that every one of us will find ourselves in at least one of these three categories, perhaps in all three. Certainly, I have found myself in all three of these categories of living. First, some of you are going to have genuine success. You are going to make a large mark on the world. Most likely, this will occur in ways you never could have imagined, and you will stand amazed at what has transpired. This is what happened to me. Uh, nearly 40 years ago, I wrote a book entitled Celebration of Discipline, The Path to Spiritual Growth. And before I knew it, swish, it traveled around the world in some 25 languages and several million copies. And to this day, I get wonderful reports of what God is doing in the hearts and minds of people through the reading and study and practice of celebration. Now, I do not understand how God can take squiggles on a piece of paper and use them for the formation and transformation of the soul. I do not know how this works. I can only thank God for his wonderful grace manifest in the lives of vast numbers of people. And something like this may happen to you. And if it does, I want to give you a simple counsel. Here it is. Listen carefully. Thank God for what he is doing through you. And then leverage what has happened to you for the good of everyone. Did you get that? Thank God for what he is doing through you and then leverage what has happened to you for the good of everyone. Second, in the years ahead, some of you are going to face deep sadness and disappointment and even tragedy. The very first Bible verse that I memorized as a new Christian was 1 Peter 1.7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now the reason this was the first verse I memorized as a young teenager was that our mother was dying during this time. In fact, my first serious prayer as a new Christian was for her healing. It was not to be. In the midst of this crisis, I went off to college a thousand miles away from home. In my freshman year, I had to rush back home three times 
because the doctors told us that the end was near. But each time, Mom would rally a bit, and the dark tragedy of death would be replaced by the undramatic regularity of the uneventful. Finally, my older brother and I made the difficult but practical decision that I should not be notified until after Mom's death. As it turned out, she died while I was home on summer break. Did Mom know somehow? I was the last person to visit her in a hospital. She had been in a comatose state, and so we weren't sure she actually recognized any of us when we visited, or even knew if we were there in the room. But on this last visit, as I was saying goodbye, she squeezed my hand. I'm glad for that. But I was not there when my mother passed from this life into greater life. She had been so close for so long that the idea of a vigil was simply not practical. It was two in the morning, and she was completely alone, except perhaps for the angels of God. She simply stopped breathing. That is what the medical staff told us. Actually, her leaving was so quiet, so uneventful, that they did not discover it until later. And you too may experience a deep sadness, an unbearable brokenness, an overwhelming tragedy at some point in your life. And if this does happen to you, I have a simple counsel. It is a counsel for you and for me and for all of us when we are faced with the great sorrows of life. It is drawn from the wisdom of Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Of course, there's more to this passage. And I imagine that many of you know this text by heart. But I want us to linger a bit on this counsel about trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This trust matter is so central. You see, sometimes we go through experiences in life in which we simply cannot have faith. And when we are unable to have faith, we are driven to learn trust. Think of faith uh, like a car, taking it out and putting it in drive and going forward in great confidence. And this is a wonderful thing. But sometimes in life, we simply are not able to put the car of life into drive. And when we cannot put it in drive, we don't put it in reverse. We put it in neutral. 
neutral is trust-filled waiting upon God. We say, God, I do not know what you are doing. I do not understand what is happening to me. I do not understand why what is happening is happening. But I trust that you are out to do me good. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Cling to the Lord. Hang on for dear life. In desperate times, it is important that we memorize by heart God's email address. When everything is falling apart and when life presses in on all sides, we really need God's email address. Here it is, God at the end of your rope.com. Genuine success, deep sadness. My third category of living is perhaps the most important of all. It is a category that is easy enough to describe, but it is much more difficult for us to grasp its immense significance. It is quite simply ordinary living. Now, let's be honest. The great majority of us will end up living quite ordinary lives. Nothing dramatic or earth-shattering will ever happen. At least, that's the way it will feel. Hopefully, we will find a job. We will work hard. We may be single or we may marry and have children. In either case, we will go to work and come home. Go to work and come home. Go to work and come home. We will live out our days within a small circle of family and friends. Life will seem quite commonplace and untheatrical. No applause, no cameras, no flashing lights, not even 15 minutes of fame. Now, let me say to you that the great majority of my days are exactly like this. Day after day, I try to write, clacking away on a keyboard completely alone. Perhaps I spend all morning taking out a comma and all afternoon putting it back in. <laughs> That's my day. 99% of what I write will never see the light of day. The most frequently used key, key on my key, keyboard is the delete button. Finally, after months, sometimes years of hard work, I will send my priceless gem of a manuscript off to the publisher and then drat it all some entry-level editor will quickly rip it to pieces. And the worst part is that this beginning editor, who has absolutely no knowledge of the subject matter of my manuscript, has actually improved the text. <laughs> so the majority of my days are quite commonplace, quite uneventful. 
You too may find yourself in this kind of ordinary existence. If so, I want to underscore two things about ordinary living. First, ordinary living is holy living. Ordinary work is priestly work. Ordinary experiences are sacred experiences. God shows himself to us in the ordinary junctures of human life like nowhere else. Now I am speaking here about the common stuff of life like caring for a sick child or washing the dishes or fixing a leaky faucet or helping our teenage daughter find just the right shoes. Oh, I can hope you can see the holy beauty of ordinary living, the sacred splendor. God is radiantly present to us in ordinary living. The Christian faith sanctifies the ordinary. Think of the lowly manger in an obscure village. Think of the bread and the wine of the Eucharist. Think of the cruel cross of Golgotha that became God's instrument of salvation. Can I say to us all, ordinary things are holy things. Everyday tasks are sacred tasks. Do you remember Moses at the burning bush? God had to tell him to take off his shoes. He did not know that it was holy ground. And if we can just come to understand that the ordinary tasks of our everyday lives is holy ground. Pierre Teilhard de Chardin wrote, Do not forget that the value and interest of life is not so much to do conspicuous things as to do ordinary things with the perception of their enormous value. Every task, no matter how small, no matter how trivial, no matter how hidden, is of enormous value. It is in the ordinary junctures of our daily lives that God will meet with us. It is here that we will build a history with God. Then second, ordinary living teaches us to trust in the slow work of God upon the human soul. God works ever so slowly upon the human heart and mind and spirit quietly transforming us into the image of Christ. In ordinary living, we experience the cosmic patience of God, who is willing to wait and wait until we are ready to turn, turn, till we turn round right. And it is ordinary living that puts us in this rhythm with the heart of God. See, we want everything to be instantaneous. And our frantic climbing and pushing and shoving will tend to obstruct this slow work of God. 
But in ordinary living, we learn ever so incrementally how to live with God, how to love our neighbor, how to speak honestly and without guile, how to serve those on the margins of life. The deep work of spiritual formation occurs most fully in ordinary living. Christian spiritual formation always has a local address. So here is my counsel when we find ourselves in ordinary living. Listen carefully. We do small things with great love. I hope this can sink deeply into our heart and mind. We learn to do small things with great love. As I close the, these remarks, I want to share with you the origin of the title of my address to you. It didn't get printed in the program, but the title is For the Living of These Days. It's a phrase hidden in a hymn, God of Grace and God of Glory, written by Harry Emerson Fosdick at a tumultuous time in 1930. It speaks volumes to us today. It speaks to us when we are experiencing genuine success. It speaks to us when we are experiencing deep sorrow. It speaks to us when we are experiencing the untheatrical days of ordinary life. It speaks to each of us in whatever life situation we find ourselves. Listen. Lo, the hosts of evil round us scorn our Christ, assail his ways. Fears and doubts too long have bound us. Free our hearts to work and praise. Grant us wisdom, grant us courage for the living of these days, for the living of these days. So now, to the class of 2016, regardless of what you face in life, may I commend to you those life-giving words of the wise old Apostle Paul. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. Let everyone know your forbearance. The Lord is near. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, with prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.